and welcome to another episode of Trash or Treasure, the podcast where Kim and Amy bring you spoiler-free <laughs> recaps, reviews, and recommendations for whatever we read this week. Amy, what did you read this week? I read The Husband's Secret. It is the husband, not his husband. Or her, yeah, no, her no. husband, her husband. Maybe a husband. I think it's a husband's secret. Or insert article here, Husband's Secret by Leanne Moriarty. Yes. It was an Australian author. Uh, we previously reviewed her Nine Perfect Strangers, which you might have seen on the whatever streaming channel it Amazon is Prime. On. But and Kimberly... I say, <laughs> and I say, what did you read this week? Because I keep being struck by how long we've been recording the podcast. It just feels like two seconds, and then I look back and I'm like, oh, no, that was like a year and a half, two years ago. And it was about that long ago that I was recommending things to you. Our reading taste kind of diverged. And I was reading things that you weren't into, and you were reading things that I wasn't into, but you were forcing me to read your things <laughs> to review on the podcast because I'm more likely to be like, oh, it's not what I feel like, but yeah, okay. But you're much more like, absolutely not. Like, this is, I, I couldn't possibly, I would never enjoy. <laughs> you're more, I like more things when I read them, but you are more diverse in what you read. Correct. Yeah. And so I read The Husband's Secret and I was like, you have to read this because I'm sick of reading all your stuff and it's your turn. And Amy said, okay, I'll read it then. That was two years ago. <laughs> Welcome to 2023. And Amy, this week, has read A Husband's Secret Woo! by Leanne Moriarty. And this isn't one of those ones where we read it two weeks ago and it's just taken us this long to get around to recording the episode. No. No, no. She just read the book just now. I read it two years ago. As a result, it's fresh in Kimberly's mind. Of course. So, so I'm I in can, charge look, of the spoiler-free I can do, like, the beginning in the dun-dun-dun, but then you're going to have to chip in. So Leanne Moriarty writes... Kind of, I call them mystery box. Sort of thrillers when you look up yeah, like the genre. Yeah, I guess they're a thriller. But type. for me, it's those ones that might, they hint at some kind of big reveal. So one of hers, for example, mm. one of, I really like one of hers called Truly Madly Deeply. And I also really like the Savage Garden song it's named after. And she, in that one, all of the characters are like, it all changed one night at a barbecue. And the two parallel storylines that get told in terms of timelines is the evening leading up to the event, so the evening leading up to the barbecue and then the party that happened and the event that changed everything, and then the people living their lives, like, months after the event occurred. But the months after bit talks about it vaguely enough and with, you know, with just kind of hinting statements or broad yeah. sweeps that you don't actually know there's key parts of that story you don't know until the storyline in the past kind like of converges yes. and you're like, ah, kind of. ah yeah. Um, so it's that kind of like you keep reading because you want to know what the mystery is. That's the, that's the kind of driving force of the tension is you want to know what that event was or how it kind of turned out. So that's the genre that she writes in. As a result, a spoiler-free recap of a Leanne Moriarty book is only the setup. You can't yeah. really go much further than that without wrecking everything. So this book is – so I'm actually just going to tell you what the secret is. I think that's 
actually the part that's more interesting. So it follows multiple characters. All of them live in this really swanky suburb in Sydney's northern beaches. That's where most of her books are set. So they're, you know, wealthy, beautiful people. One of the main characters, I do not remember anyone's name two years later. Uh, I don't remember it a week later, let alone two two years. There was Cecilia. She's and the mom. Rachel and Tess, but I can't remember the supporting characters except that the husband's name is John Paul. Yeah, and there's really lots of other guys. Me. Yeah. So basically, well. so basically, the the subplots or whatever, the, what's going on here is that many years ago, there was a girl who died. They know who was murdered, and it kind of ripped this community apart. There's an old lady who's her mum who's never kind of gotten over it. They Mm -hmm. never found out who did it, blah, 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 blah. So that's kind of going on in the background, and there's a couple of characters that they're like, I think it's that guy. And it all centres around the school, the local state primary school that's very wealthy and fancy because it's in this fancy suburb. And the mum that you kind of follow the most is head of the PNC, and she runs these Tupperware parties. Cecilia. That's Cecilia. Cecilia. I couldn't remember which name that was. She essentially runs... Rachel's the mum of the murdered girl. Yeah. She essentially runs, like, the most perfect household ever. So, you know, like, her... She's one of those people... One of the lines that always jumped out at me was whenever she finishes using her sink, she wipes it dry. So, you know, it's that level of clean. Like, her whole house Mm. is perfect. Her husband, Jean-Paul has been kind of drifting away. She thinks he might be having an affair or something. So she's kind of, their marriage is kind of a bit, on not on the rocks, but things are not great there. Rachel, the mum of the girl who got murdered, works as an admin officer at the school, and she's just kind of falling apart. She's always Mm. been falling apart, but she's been barely keeping it together. There was one guy that her daughter was dating at the time when she died, when she was murdered, and Rachel was convinced that he's the one who killed her, and he comes on staff as something like he he starts as a PE teacher or something like that starts working at the school and that kind of is really triggering for Rachel so that's what she's dealing with and then Tess has just separated from her husband or something look I'm gonna be honest I can't remember the a week after I'm like it's a Cecilia and Rachel and then there was Tess but I don't really remember much about Tess. I just remember Tess was also a mum intertwined sort of starts dating the guy that Rachel is like, he's the one who killed my daughter. His name I can't remember, but it's something like Ryan or something. something. And so basically at at an early point in the book, Cecilia discovers a letter. So she's going through all these tax documents and stuff and finds a letter written by her husband that is addressed to her. And when she opens it, it's like, oh, it's addressed to her in like a, for my wife, Upon the occasion mm, of my, my death. death. And she's like, what? The wills are in the safe down, like are in the filing cabinet downstairs, like perfectly labeled. Why would this be randomly in this box? She opens and reads the letter. And basically the contents of the letter are what makes the rest of the book move. No, she doesn't open it immediately. She does. She opens it that night. She talks yeah. to him about it, or maybe a week later. She, she talks the to him about it. Between the opening. Yeah, and and he's super weird about it. Like he's on a business trip, and she is like, "I found this really weird 
letter? Like, is it a will? Like, what is in this letter? It's sealed. And she tells him what it is. And he's like, oh, oh my God, no. It's just, yeah, it must be an old copy of it. Just throw it away. I don't want you to open it. Just put it back. Just don't touch it. And she's like, he's being so weird. He gets on a plane and comes home from his business trip that day. And she's like, this is unprecedented. What are you doing home? She's like, is this, do you want the letter? And he's like, no, God, no. It's not about the letter. What did you do with the letter? Like, not that I care. And she's like, I just put it back in the boxes in the attic. Like, that's where it is. And then he gets out of, well, after they fall asleep, she's still awake, but pretending to be asleep, he gets out of bed and starts rifling the attic to try and find the letter. But because she is this pedantic, tidy, perfect woman, it's already been filed with the wills and stuff in the filing cabinet. And so she opens it. And we're not so going to tell you what's in it because yeah, that that's about of... halfway through. Well, it's not halfway through, no, it's but the it's first the secret. Third. It's the first third. And then his secret is what kind of affects everybody. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's kind of enough. Yeah. So, since I kind of had to do that, Amy, oh my gosh, I've been waiting two years to know, though I feel like I knew when I recommended it to you two years ago. <laughs> yeah, of course you um, did. Also, I feel like two years ago, I was cranky with you for making me read a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't want to read and then refusing to read things that you didn't want to read because you didn't want to read them. So I will admit, dear listeners, that this was recommended to Amy with a slight amount of spite. So I didn't expect you to like it. <laughs> Which, to be honest, I think I feel like you said at that time. Yeah. I, you have to read it. I don't know if you'll like it. So I had lots of thoughts. My this thoughts, book was really meaning. Like, this book triggered a whole yeah. bunch for me too. So, yeah. My thoughts centered mostly around how I felt about the characters and mm. the, like, the reveal, the secret. But I did find it was very televisual. Absolutely. And I don't think it was written with her having Amazon adaptations in mind. No, it's one of her first books. It's an early one. But it's as really I was early. reading it, I was like... Oh, okay. I can actually picture this because the setting, like the school and yeah. where it's set, and these lives these women all have are quite visually described. Mm. And you're like, it'd make yeah, I a great mini series. Like it, it would make would, a fantastic. It would be exp- yeah, it'd be. Really I think good. it would be a really successful mini series. Yeah. However, I I found this in the previous one, the Nine Perfect Strangers. I don't really like her characters. Yeah. So I didn't find them... You didn't empathise I didn't empathise a lot. Yeah. I didn't find them super believable, but I sort of... I guess that's the, you know, what would you do in this situation point? Like maybe I meant to like insert myself rather than yes. following along and go, yes, what would I do? Sure. But their, their worlds reminded me a bit. Do you remember the book about the kid in the park? Yeah, yeah, uh, yes, yeah. yes. It yes. reminded me a little bit of, what was that? I can't remember what that book was called. Now You See Her? Now, yeah, the mums in the mm. park. The Cecilia and Rachel narratives, I thought, worked quite well together because they were actually uh, quite tightly and related. They were quite, and it was this beautiful not wanting to talk about it, but mm. if they had talked together... The book would be really short. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. I thought that, like, a week after, I actually can't really recall much about the third one. So I didn't think that Tess, at times, it, like, goes to you have Rachel time, you have oh, Cecilia yeah. time, then you have Tess time. And Tess felt like a bit of a separate book. Same. I yeah. found that narrative, that character narrative voice switching was confusing and it meant I was losing track of all the family's names. I found it quite confusing keeping track of who, who all was of who. the, Everything, particularly it was a the very complicated, yeah, I agree. And that was I, complicated. Clearly, maybe that's what she was doing in calling the husband Jean-Paul because he's the only name I can remember and all the others were like, 
Jason, Steve, Steve yeah. Pete, Will, Ryan, and as a result, I don't think any of those names are actually in the book. <laughs> very, very white names. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't really as you predicted my sort of book because it was so much about, like, Rachel's whole character was so much about grief. Yeah. And there was so much, like, guilt. And, it's uncomfortable. Like, there, yeah. uh, Rachel as a character in the whole journey she's on is uncomfortable. It was. To be I inside. found it. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. And exploring guilt and grief are really my motivations for reading things. Yeah. So I found it very brooding. Rachel was very brooding. Yeah. And I she has didn't a lot to brood about. Really like spending time with her. I know she does have a lot to brood about. But I got. You'll think I'm such a dog. I got all excited. But the opening line is, it started with the Berlin Wall. And oh I was like, oh, the husband's secret, the Berlin Wall. Oh, I bet he has some, like, Cold War espionage story background. Because she goes up into the attic to look for her daughter's, like, doing a project and she's got yeah. a bit of the Berlin Wall from when she was, like, a backpacker. And that's how she goes and finds the letter. So I was a bit disappointed with the middle classiness of everything. It is very of and, that nature, And the, like... Yeah. It wasn't like police procedural, but like I actually wanted to read the sort of unraveling of the mystery from the perspective of like detectives rather than the families. It's not the point of the book. I know. It's not the point of the book. (laughs) I know. I wanted a completely different book, I think, because I was like, oh, the secret was, I was like, oh, I wanted a more, a different secret. Fair enough. So, but the the that's just me, and I think what I was looking for in a book, which you could have predicted, I had a problem with the epilogue. Me too. The epilogue was two pages at the end, and I have a problem with an epilogue that reveals key plot points. Same. Because I think by then it's too far gone. Like, it's too late to reveal... It's not about being like too late to reveal. Was. It was about that was about those kind of butterfly effect moments in life, which it the, was which very the book much is, a butterfly which is effect. The, what the book is about in that sense. The well, whole epilogue was butterfly effect, but the whole book is about that too. Like all of those moments that would have been mm. different, very different, if just tiny little things had happened. But I have thoughts about that too because that's kind of that's the part of her books that I like most. Ultimately. I'm a bit of a shallow reader. I want to escape in a book. I don't want to have to think deeply about... Oh, uh, I don't know. I feel like, like her books aren't particularly doing But yes, I get what you but mean. I, I don't want to think... Well, you I want to go to an unrecognisable world. I want... A place where you don't live and you've never seen and you don't go to every day or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't want school mums. You don't want suburbia. I don't want suburbia yeah. unless there's some sort of exciting historical secret Yeah, with espionage. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I just got way too excited about the secret and the Berlin Wall and then I got all my hopes up and then it was just not what I was looking for. So I'm not going to read it again and I don't think Leanne Moriarty is my jam. Yeah, that's fair. It's... I don't like Mary Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> This is why. This is why you made me read it. I think it was was, was off the back of My Brother Michael. That's we remember two years ago. It was after the My Brother Michael argument. Right. Okay. We were fighting then. (laughs) I mean, I like. I've gone back and reread that since, and actually quite enjoyed My Brother Michael. But that's. I mean, maybe. But I and I enjoyed this rough magic, but I just can't do Mary Stewart. Generally speaking, she's very hit and miss for me. Yeah, I do agree. There's Mm. some of them I'm like, oh no. But this, yeah, I don't think. 
her sort of suburban, minutia. wealthy suburban yeah. minutiae and this the idea that what you see on the surface isn't what's underneath. I think that's really interesting to explore, but I don't want to explore it. Yeah, that's fair enough. And that's consistent across all the books we've read in terms of like whenever we come up against that particular kind of thing, you're always like, eh, yeah, I was I disinterested. Yeah, so yeah. it's consistent. Yeah. I Fair don't right. find it very interesting. That's so fine. And it becomes hard work because I just want to be like... Now you know how I feel when you make me read all these away. books I'm disinterested in. Your thoughts. My if thoughts. If you can retrieve them if from the district recesses Jeez, of your mind. Yeah. I actually do have some pretty strong memories of this book. Mm. So it was I remember re- you saying you discussed it with Eric, like what would you... Yeah. Yeah, the what if. I was recommended this book by a student that I taught in... They were like in year 11 or year 12 or something. <laughs> and they were like, oh my God, they were reading it in class. And... I'm like, that's not the type of book I would have thought. Yes, yeah, so I was like, yeah. what are you reading? What are you doing? And she was like, oh my God, miss, I love this book. And it was around the same time that Big Little Lies had come out. Mm. And I had watched that and really liked that series. Um, and so... I was like, that's the same woman. And she's like, yeah, you need to read this book. It's terrific. And so off her recommendation, I went and read a, like found a copy of the book and read it. And I found the characters really easy to recognize. Mm. And I think in that kind of context, I find that I actually need that element of what you see on the surface isn't what's going on underneath and that the everyday characters and people mm. and facades that you recognize from your everyday you know life are probably not what's going on underneath like i like i like the idea that my neighbors are far more interesting than they appear to be i kind of like that and mm. i don't need people to be soviet era see spies. i like my neighbors in the form of rear window that type of Right. I yeah. don't, yeah. So you would sit there and make up these stories about that guy is a spy and he's yes. killed her because she's a femme fatale, righty rah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would sit and watch it and be like, I think Jerry's dissatisfied with his work. And I swear to God, if that guy doesn't get up off the couch and make his own cup of tea once, Cheryl's going to leave him. Like, I would be much more. Like just so it's like just our the balcony everyday. time in, Absolutely. in Roma when yeah. we try and interpret. Oh, I wonder what type oh, of day he's yeah. had. Oh, he's yes. coming home late. What's been happening there? Exactly. And, and you're I... like, that's just a stupid explanation. <laughs> I just like. I just think the normal people's lives are worth, and I find personally mm. interesting to examine. Yes. And I know you're not saying it's not. It's worthless for examination. You're just saying someone else can do it. I think. Yeah. I think cancer research is important, but if that was my day to day. I'd be really upset about that. Like, I don't want to do it, but I'm glad somebody is and I'll donate money to it, right? But I found these characters really recognizable and I loved The Secret for a couple of reasons. One was because it was so, it was so ordinary. It wasn't, it was extraordinary in, in that if that happened to me, I wouldn't be like, well, it's just another Saturday. But I know what you you mean about ordinary, but that's what I didn't want. Yes, it was ordinary. It was within (gasps) the ordinary, right? But I love that because I think the things that are our undoing are so so often mundane. Mm. And I just found that really interesting. Anyway, so she has a choice when the secret is revealed, and that is essentially whether to join her husband in keeping the secret or not. And now that she knows that this is a secret he is keeping, how does she feel about him? Mm. And so 
I found that fascinating. And obviously, you know, my husband and I at that point only had one child and I was like, what would we do? Like, I might have even been pregnant with our second. I don't remember specifically, but I was like, what would you do if you found out that this is what I had done? And we just had a conversation that went for like hours about like, what would you do? And like, I stopped reading the book at that point because I was like, oh, would you, like, what if this happened? And what if that, what if, and we just kept adding all of these different layers. And again, in this kind of divergence of what entertains me versus what entertains you, those conversations of like, what if, so I am the one that I had with our friend recently, Matthew was terrific. I was like, what would you do if tomorrow morning you woke up and I just didn't exist? But everybody else, you remembered me, but there was just no evidence that I'd ever existed. Like Eric lives in the house with his two kids and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he just vaguely doesn't remember ever having a wife and no one knows. And it's like, like, what would you do? Would you just accept that I never existed or would you come looking for me? Like, it's that kind of stupid. But he has to have retained memories. He's retained memory. And so, and that's what Eric and I ended up doing. But. But what about this? Do I know about the secret? How long have you kept the secret? If you continue to keep the secret, are you hurting anyone? Like, so it's, there was so much chat. It went for days, like days and days. He and I debated this book and debated kind of the the what if questions that it raised for us. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. And it's the bit that I've kept. I do not remember Tess. I vaguely remember a sex scene between her and the PE teacher guy. Mm. It's the only thing I really remember. I do think she was bouncing back from a relationship or something. She was a hot mess at the start. And by the end, Cecilia's the hot mess. And it was like this big kind of change of change of whatever yeah i just didn't and the other thing that i loved i agreed i didn't i think she was only necessary to give you a break from the trauma cecilia was trying to deal with and the deep dark hole rachel lived in every day so you kind of needed tess i think narratively like i think that was she was a balancing weight at the other end of the scale so that it was actually was doable yeah and i absolutely love i see and again i love 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 that idea that you know years and years ago almost just over 10 years ago if you had just let me stay home when i was like i don't want to go out i'm tired we just got back from holidays i just want to sit here and you're like no you told this guy you would go and meet him for a drink so you have to go on this date go see those things i don't I mind wouldn't have met my husband right so that's the kind of yeah, stuff that i'm okay. like and so this was the same. If if he had spoken up earlier, the lives of so many people would have been completely different. And I think the secret that would be he was keeping. A TV show. Yes, the secret he mm. and you watch these kinds. You would I be watch more inclined to watch shows. these kind of yeah. TV shows. I find them you interesting just don't like on TV. Them. I don't yes. want to be in their head so in a book. Yeah. Yeah. Because it forces a level of knowledge on you. Whereas watching the TV show, I would be already kind of reading deeply into um, oh he must be feeling this or thinking that or blah 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 whereas you're much more likely to just skim over the surface of that particular kind of tv show whereas a reading experience forces you to To sit with rachel while she goes and relives her daughter's murder again and again and again i would if this was a tv show i'd watch it but i'd view it as like shiny trash yeah and it is shiny and don't get me wrong it's shiny like even with all of its kind of Re- that kind of realism it's like desperate housewives in a book it is and i when in reading it it made it reminded me so deeply in so many ways of desperate housewives yeah. 
particularly, it reminds particularly me season one. of Trude and Prue in Kath and Kim when oh, they right, overlap yes. doing the school run and they're yes. like the short hair and the pearls and like, oh, oh, oh. That's the image I had in my head. And I was like, ladies, move on. Where's East Germany coming into <laughs> So I wouldn't recommend it, but it sounds like you actually would. would because you, you thought were, it was really thought-provoking. Yeah, and I found it really thought-provoking mm. and stimulating, and I really enjoyed it. And, yeah, it's my cup of tea. So I think if you, like, if you read The Authenticity Project and got really into that or anything like that, I think mm. it's that similar kind of book. This is by far my favourite of the Leanne Moriarty's too. So if you've ever dipped a toe in her and are like, I was not a fan. There were some of her books I didn't even finish. I didn't like them but so But you said deeply. Truly Madly Deeply is your favourite, so this is up there <coughs> with that? I would say this is higher than Truly Madly Oh, deeply. okay. Yeah, all right. So I enjoyed this one more than that. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. But, again, throw away and, and I probably will reread it, but in the same way that you, like, rewatch a really trashy TV show because oh, yeah. it's comforting. Yeah. So I wouldn't call it a treasure. It's not, like, it's not my go-to. I can't remember the last time I recommended it to someone. And it certainly <laughs> didn't make it on my, like, Christmas buy list where I buy it as gifts and give it to people to forcibly make them read books. So no, I would say... I got say, it out of the library. <laughs> yeah, so I would say it's a recommend from me. Go and have a look. I really liked it. Husband Secret by Leanne Moriarty. But I would not call it treasure. I no, think it's probably trash. And I won't reread it, so it's definitely trash for me. Yep. It's just not. It doesn't provide me with the sort of escapism, emotional escapism I wanted. It's yeah. like one of those things that like, it's hard to go to bed after reading it because yeah. there's too much darkness in my mind. Ooh, that sounds really. That does. That was really. Wrap it up. No, Let's you're not wrapping that. it up. I don't have to do that anymore, remember? One of no, our previous you, episodes, you, you were you like, were, I don't have to do this You said anymore. you were going to experiment with I ways I think one of our it. experiment ways was that you were going to do it. And so that's it. Thank you so very much for joining us. I think Not as easy script. as it looks, is yeah, it? Yeah, but because you've been doing it for 122 episodes, well, you know the script. I still don't have a script. Can you just do it? Fine. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us once again. And join us next week. We will bring you more spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and recommendations for whatever we read. And until then, happy reading! And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.